The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith. And one of us doesn't have a faith. But we still love one another and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. <laughs> you are listening to the Burrows of Berea. Welcome back to the Burrows of Berea. I am Rick Welch, and to my left is Big Daddy Carter. Oh, yeah. And Sarita the Edge Edgerton. Hey, y'all. Behind the glass, Rocket Man Andy Bishop. <laughs> Man. <laughs> <laughs> I'd give it a little gusto. <laughs> that was good. That's a Falcon 9 right there. <laughs> Straight out of Compton, Ralph Hicks. Represent. Boom. Boom. Cherry the Annihilator, Lewis. Most people won't know. I don't know what that was, was that but I liked it. Jaws. <laughs> I'm just wondering why you always go to the left instead of the right. Because <laughs> it's clockwise. That's probably care. true. All right. I am Rick Welch, and to my right is Bonham. <laughs> that me. is If Six Was Nine by Jimi Hendrix. Do you guys know that song? Yep, that's how it starts off. Anyway. A lot of guys, people have sampled that beat. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah, it's a really good one. So, so guys, this is our second testimony uh, of that time we went to Berean Bible Church. Uh, you guys have already heard. Uh, Eric and Kathy O'Jay's testimony. Now we are moving on to Jordan and Leah Grant. We make no positive statement that it's actually them. <laughs> <laughs> After you hear the uh, Flat Earth coming uh, next week, you guys will understand what he's talking about. Uh, Dr. Jordan Grant was at the uh, conference. That's how I had first met him. He was uh, at the at the Berean Bible Church conference uh, two years ago. And uh, then whenever he... He came and met with us. We wanted to hear his testimony, but also we did that roundtable on Flat Earth and the Globe. And uh, Dr. Grant is a incredibly intelligent person. He is very fun, very funny, and um, but incredible. When I say incredibly smart, like he really got me. Like he really oh got me. Oh my gosh! And I know we all know that I'm a genius. Wait, wait so, till you. <laughs> <laughs> which which reminds me, whenever I was, I um, uh, I had a friend, okay, that used to love to play. Trivial Pursuit. I'm a huge Trivial Pursuit nut. Do you guys like Trivial Pursuit? Love it. I love that game. So anyway, there was this guy that he would, every time, he was like, hey, man. He's like, you want to come over and play Trivial Pursuit? We're playing the Genius Edition. And I was like, really? I've never heard of that. And I went over there, and it was the Genus Edition. (laughs) G-E-N-U-S. And I was like, you're a real genius. (laughs) But anyway. It was kind of the moments where you you try to push on somebody, and they olay you, and that look on your face when you missed them, and then you go to fall down. Yeah. In this particular interview, though. Oh, yeah. In this particular interview, there is one part that is my absolute favorite. And it's whenever Dr. Jordan, when because they're both doctors. Yes. Leah is uh, Leah doctor? Is a, doctor. Doctor, what? doctor. Yeah, they're both doctors and they're married. And so um, <laughs> Jordan talks about how he's trying to get the attention of oh, Leah. Yeah. And this guy, like Jordan, yeah. is a he's a beast. Like he's really ripped. He's built. He's a good looking dude. He very is. confident. Very, very confident. Outspoken. But Leah wasn't having it because no. she was just doing her job. Oh yeah. And he talks about <laughs> how he does not win no. her at all. <laughs> it's Total one of the failure. funniest bum, bum, parts. Bum. I love that part of the episode. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoy this, and we'll talk to you guys at the end of it.
Well, we are here in Berean Bible Church in Virginia Beach. Thank you, Pastor Curtis, for having us here, uh, allowing us to be here again. I'm super excited. I've got beside me Cherry the Annihilator, Lewis, and Rick Big Daddy Carter. No intro music these days. Okay. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> oh, hello. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That was some serious distortion, bro, in my headphones. It was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that was terrible. Like macho man. <laughs> Snap into a slip gym. <laughs> anyway, so we have here um, doctors Jordan and Leah Grant. Thank you guys for joining us. Thanks, Thanks for having us. For inviting yeah. us. Yeah, it's super exciting. So yeah. I know uh, I got to meet you for the first time at the, the, the Berean Bible Church Conference so like two years ago, I think it Did was. Did we meet the first one? I I think I know we whenever you, when you were speaking. Okay, yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, yep. that's when I met you. It's flown by, but yeah. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. wild, yeah. <laughs> so have you guys listened to any any of our testimonies that we've, so mm -hmm. obviously I'm going to ask you both the same question. Uh, to the best of your ability, can you tell me the earliest memory that you have of when you heard the name Jesus Christ? Either one can start. Uh, I couldn't tell you an age, but it was very young. I mean, I, I grew up going to church. My grandfather grandfather was a um, Baptist preacher, so I never really not heard, didn't hear the name. Ah. So. Really? So you just always, yeah. I've just always yeah. heard it. Wow. Yeah, same. I mean, grew up going to church. Um, you know, we were in a, the denomination I grew up in until I was in probably high school was um, Disciples of Christ, which is like Church of Christ with music. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, we just Church of Christ with me. pretty much, uh, you know, <laughs> super free will and dispensational and all that fun stuff. Um, but yeah, no, there's not a time I can think of that I never. Yeah, I mean, just grew up in a Christian household, so and small town too, so right. Yeah, I mean, I would get Bibles for Christmas, you know, kids' Bible. I mean, so just yeah, you know, it was always there. Every bookmark was a present with a Bible verse on it, you know, that you put. I mean, it was just just inundated completely. Really, mm -hmm. yeah. it's always known. By growing up, you said Disciples of Christ, mm -hmm. Church of Christ. <laughs> 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 so, so talk about. Pentecostal. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Pentecostal. So, whenever you, from from growing up in this, how let's talk about your salvation experience. At mm -hmm. some point, you had this moment, right? So, man, that's a tough one. I mean, I don't know exactly when. I, I can't pinpoint it because I had those moments when I was young, got baptized because you have that, you know just that guilt feeling, right? And, and you know, everybody's excited. And, you know, I think it was like a group of us that got baptized or something at the same time. Um, and then I remember in high school, I was going to the first Baptist church in town because that's where all the cool kids went. And we did all the fun stuff with the church choir and went on trips. And our, our church had kind of dissolved anyway, just political stuff. And so everybody scattered. So it just made sense for me to end up there. But I remember they had a revival type thing one night and that got me going down to the front you know because you know you just feel the weight of your sin and so I don't know that I have a day that I would consider when God changed my mind I felt like I was when I went to college I always had these things in the back of my head but I never really I never really read my Bible um, on my own and so for me the experience changed when I got out of college and decided so long story short real quick I, I went um, non-traditional um I got a business degree I worked a year in, in kind of some finance accounting in Houston I hated my job I quit my job I wanted to go to med school so I had to start all, all over so I moved to Dallas when I moved to Dallas doing my prerequisites for med school 
that's when I started reading my Bible, and that's when everything changed for me, was when I just finally broke open the Bible and started reading it for myself. And this I, is in college? This was after college. After I was college. probably 23 oh, okay. when I first started that. And that's when just, I mean, God just opened my eyes. To, I mean, sovereignty of God was just boom. I mean, the first few months, I think, I'm like, what is what is this? What is John 6? I've never read that in my life, you know? Right, yeah. I mean, it was like Romans 9, you know, and I'm, so I started just diving into everything I could online, uh, listening like apologetics.com. Um, there was another one with Greg Kukul, like Stand to Reason or something like I can't remember that. He was, you know, more evidence-based type stuff, which I'm not into anymore. But um, that, and then I dove into the Calvinism stuff real quick. I mean, I was like, a, it didn't take me long. I'm one of these people that once I see it, I'm kind of all in. Mm-hmm. Um, but God was really working on my heart during all that to really understand, you know, sovereignty um, and kind of my place in things. And then the preterism stuff as well, like that, that took me, a, I was a partial preterist for like a month, probably, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, when I, I read Matthew 24 and I was just like, what, again, why was I never taught this? Right. And I didn't know what preterism was. And so I, you know, I had to look into all that and that's a different story. But as far as salvation goes, it was, for me, it was not like this one moment. It was this process between the ages of probably 23 and 26, I just poured into reading the Bible. I mean, I I had stuff printed out all over my apartment. I mean, PDFs, I mean, everything. It, it was nonstop. Even when I was supposed to be going to classes, I just stayed home and just read the, I did free courses through like Covenant Theological Seminary just because I just was devouring everything I could. So it was, it was a, it was a great time. I'll still look back and just, it was amazing seeing how God changed that. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> I talk with my hands too. It just beats the mics. Yeah. yeah. So I'm the same way. I was I was a partial protest for all of about a month. Um, once I finally saw it, it was just uh, I was appalled at the fact that I hadn't saw it myself. Yep. I couldn't understand it. And then what was even worse was that I didn't really have anybody to talk to. I didn't know who to ask. I didn't know where to go. So. You know, I had to come seven and a half hours away and, and <laughs> get a burrito. Well, I mean, that that was, I mean, I, I emailed David, I remember vividly emailing him in like 2005 or six, uh, just asking questions. I'd come across Berean Bible Church. I started listening to the um, sermon on like the Feast of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was amazing. I mean, that was a big eye opener, just seeing the <laughs> the type and shadow, right, that I'd never been taught before and had emailed David and he reset. And I was into, I just, I'd gotten talking to other preterists um, Sam Frost at the time, you know, was, I mean, we talked and Ward Finley and all these guys, they were kind of the bigger names, right, mm-hmm. at the time. And so I learned a lot and then got involved in a lot of the Facebook groups with all that. But as far as just, I mean, my mind was just completely changed during that those three years, not just theolo- theologically, you know, and then my worldview changed and I was able to just see things in a different way when I went on to med school. Um, but those three years for me were probably what I still consider that conversion experience, I guess, just because it was such a radical, I mean, God just moving the pieces and me just riding the wave basically. So, right. Yeah. So what about you, Leah? Um, so apparently I walked down and and got saved when I was eight years old at vacation Bible school. I don't remember making that decision. Um, I remember the preacher coming to our house afterwards, talking to me. I remember getting baptized, um, and, you know, I still went to church, and during high school, I kind of, I feel like I've always kind of tried to be running away from something, um, and, you know, kind of dabbled in things I shouldn't have been dabbling in, and um, ended up going to college at East Texas Baptist University, 
uh, freshman year, and you had to go to chapel twice a week, um, and freshman year during some chapel service, I, I remember actually kneeling down and, and surrendering my life to him. And so that's, in my mind, that's when I got truly saved, because um, I was, yeah. Um, and, you know, things kind of rocked along there, reading my Bible, trying to, you know, I, I felt full of his of his spirit at that time. Um, and then life kind of gets in the way a little bit. Um, so then you fast forward 15, 20 years and, um, really just over the last year of my life, have I come back around to just seeing the hand of the Lord in my life and, um, having just like Eric was saying, or, uh, saying of, I can't not read the word. Like I can't, I, when I initially, about a year ago, kind of started, oh, he started opening my eyes again. Um, and I was fearful for a long time that this is just me trying to be a better person. This is me trying to, to force myself to read because that's what a good Christian does. And so I had a lot of fear initially over this last year of receding back to the mindset I used to have, I guess you could say. Um, but this has been different. This is his moving mm-hmm. in my life, and he, it's it's changed our marriage. It's changed our lives and where I think our future is going. That's a nutshell. Yeah, I, re- I appreciate that honesty because I know I know that for myself even. I remember having those times whenever I was young. And I, I, I was There was a time when I was on fire for God. Like it, I, You could not talk to me without me saying I felt like I was oozing Jesus just talking about it. And then after a divorce, I receded for five years into the darkest place you've ever seen. It's hard to believe that a Christian could go that far. Mm-hmm. You know no, what yeah, I mean? It's true. Mm-hmm. Yes. That a Christian could go that far. Mm-hmm. Almost to the point where you look at me like, there's no way you're a Christian. But see, they don't understand the total sovereignty of God. And the way that we get involved, and we really do, we start, you know, we try to push back or whatever, but he brings us, he's constantly bringing us to him. And it, five, 10, 15 years, whatever it's going to be. So I appreciate that. I appreciate you saying that because that's, there's a lot of people out there that are feeling that way too. And we get, we get letters and we get messages from people that, that say that, like, yeah, I felt that. You know, like yeah. I felt like, was I even a believer? And so they keep coming back, like wondering, am I? If you really put your trust in him, yes, you are. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's what, it, it burns me up that there's so much fear-based. And I, I never, I think that's another reason, like, I'm, I'm just different, I guess. I steered away from the institutional church, even as a kid. There's so many things I knew that were wrong, but I didn't know why. Now I know, you know, I feel like I do. I see it more. Um, but just the fear-based stuff, um, you know, you can lose your salvation at any moment if you're not doing X, Y, Z, and it's like, uh, how much is enough, you know? Like, and then you combine that with the end times nonsense of, you know, be, be alert or you're getting left behind. It's like, why would I get left behind if I'm a Christian? I don't understand, you know, there's so much of that. Um, but yeah, just getting through all that and now the, the fear-based stuff, like once, that, once you know the sovereignty of God and you understand that God's working on you because you're one of his for whatever reason, then it, it does just, it doesn't make it that much easier all the time when you're going through those kind of dark nights of the soul. But, you know, God has always brought us back out of it. And I personally, like, I kind of, I was at that high when I was going into med school and then it just took a nosedive for years. And I don't feel like I was reawakened until a year and I, whenever I came and did the talk here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd, I'd started getting into some other topics on a deeper level, and it brought everything back full circle when I came and talked here and, and got around other believers because we've been in our little cave and our little hole for so long, mm-hmm. and it was just like this reawakening, and now now it's just been 
it's been wild the last year, honestly. That's awesome. Yeah. I've sort of been observing that on Facebook. Our listeners don't know, but I have been observing, which has been, it's been fun to watch. Yeah. So cool. Um, so both of you chose to be doctors. So can you guys tell me like what, so what type of doctors are you? Can, can we start there? Yeah, we're both urologists, so um, kidney stones, bladder tumors, kidney cancer. The, we're surgical plumbers, if you want to call it that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The plumbing of the urinary system. We were. We uh, were. We were yes. urologists. You were, yeah, until recently. Yes, mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So. But med school, I mean, as far as how you got into. I mean, honestly, the, yeah, I can't explain my life other than God has had his hand on it the whole time. Because I wasn't smart enough to get in med school. I got in med school. You know, you get into a residency program that's, you know, very competitive. Um, even though I wasn't at the top of my class, like, I just, he's gotten his hand in my life every single step of the way. And then we meet in residency, and it's just been kind of yeah. crazy. And so, so you both met in residency. Mm-hmm. We actually, I'll just say it. So I kind of Facebook stalked her. Um, <laughs> Yeah, not not in that kind of way. It was basically it's I knew like the most romantic thing yeah, I've ever is. heard. I was, actually, we have a very romantic story. It's, it's a good story. I um, <laughs> I was a fourth year medical student, I think, and I knew I wanted to do urology. So I, she was even though I'm older, I went back later. So she was actually a year ahead of me. So I looked at different residency programs, and where she was at was where I wanted to go. So I noticed she was an intern. Looked her up on Facebook, sent her some messages, just like, hey, what did you do to get into urology? Like, what do I need to be doing? Because it's so competitive. And we just kind of chit-chatted back and forth, and she gave me some tips and all that. And then that was kind of it. Um, but I remember, like, looking at her stuff on Facebook and just thinking, man, there's something different about this girl. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. But I was with somebody else at the time. Like, it just, you know, never turned into anything. When I went down there to visit, I did. we do what's called away rotations as a fourth-year medical student. You go, you can do a month wherever you think you want to go do your residency. So I did a month at Scott & White in Temple, Texas, and I'll never forget. I was like, okay, Leah's going to be there. I'm going to get to meet her. And we're on rounds one morning, and she's on a general surgery service, and our, we cross paths. It's 6 o'clock in the it's morning. It's 6 I'm in the morning, and, you know, and I'm like, oh, there she is. You know, and she was a lot shorter than I thought she would be. Um, <laughs> but, but I just remember being like, oh, hey, Leah, how you doing? And she just kind of looks at me and gives me this kind of blank stare. She's like, oh, hey, yeah, got great. And then just looked away, and then that was it. And I was like, oh, gut punch, you know, like yeah. that was it. And, and now <laughs> she'll tell you, you know, she's like, I was rounding. I'm in work mode, you know, but yeah. I'm just like, anyway, so. But yeah, we met, but we didn't get together till my third year residency. I gotta know what were you hoping for? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, you know, you build it up in your head. The hope of the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, just a little more zest in the eyes or something. I don't know. I was stressed she, out. She was. Yeah. I mean, she I drops was like, her clipboard on the floor yeah. and she takes her yeah. glasses off and she like yeah. swings her hair. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Something romantic, but it wasn't. It wasn't about that. But I do remember thinking that. Oh, <laughs> I do remember thinking that girl has me beat in spades on accent. I thought I had yeah. a bad yeah. East Texas accent, and mm-hmm. then I heard her talk, and I was like, yes. Listen, and I love the accent <laughs> because we're, you know, we're from down there in mountains of North Carolina, and uh-huh. some of us can barely even speak English. <laughs> you speak banjo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I love it. Yeah. So as you guys, so... Obviously, here at Berean Bible Church, you know that we um, ascribe to the full preterist eschatology, and I wanted to talk to that a little bit about that a little bit more because that's a little bit harder, in my opinion, 
for a couple. I don't know. I wanted to know that story, if you guys don't mind. Like, who came to it first? Who talked about it? Uh, she's pointing at you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll be curious to hear her thoughts on it because I was, I've been in this um, lonely place for a long time because I came to see it in like 2004 or five. Oh, wow. Um, so I get it, you know, and it, like, that comes with preterism and perfect. Loneliness? loneliness, loneliness, pretty much. They, that's a, pic- like a picture of loneliness in the dictionary is a preterist, yeah. Um, but I mean, I dove in so much, and I was all in. Like I said, I go all in when I want to learn something. So I was all in for a few years, learned as much as I could. Even in med school, we actually started a one of those social media sites. They're all defunct now, but it was it was a, like a WordPress site. It was called Sovereign Grace Preterism. And it was like a little chat room. Everybody could talk. It was like a MySpace, but for preterists. Was that on AOL 4.0 no, no, or 7.0? No, I don't know what it was on, but it was great. It was really, um, it was me and uh, Mike Bennett. He's a preterist out in um, San Diego. Um, and, you know, Bill Gann, the Ganns were in there. I mean, everybody, a bunch of people were in there. That, and it was great. But I kind of faded out for a while. But I was, I didn't know how to talk about it with really anybody locally, especially in med school, you know. Um, and then when we started dating, I don't remember exactly what it was. We had been dating a little bit and I remember the night, I think we were cooking supper and there was like a thunderstorm and Leah said something about, I don't know what it was, something about the trumpets, last trumpet or something. And I was like, well, what if all that's already happened or something, you know, like just kind of threw it out there. She's like, kind of just looks at me. And I think I said something and she actually knew she said something about, AD 70, and I was like, how do you know about AD 70? I don't even remember this. Con- I don't know that I ever knew AD 70. So I don't know. It was crazy. So she at least had enough knowledge that maybe somebody in her in college or one of your professors. Anyway, but sorry. Um, <laughs> we all talk with our hands, this. too, all the yeah, time. Yeah, I get it. Um, but anyway, so I think we finally, so I brought it up to her, and she's known for you know the first few years of our marriage, but it's really only been probably in the last two years um, when I kind of got back into it she started seeing it. I'll let her speak for herself, but that's, it's really just been the last couple of years as a couple that it's become more prominent between both of us. Yeah, I, I never really thought about it per se. I know I've always had questions here and there over time of the whole rapture and, you know, you freak out because you think, well, what if I'm doing something I'm not supposed to be doing when he comes back? And you, you, you live in this fear-based thing. And so it never set right with me per se, just because it led to that kind of fearful thoughts. Um, but I never dwelled on it. I never have been one of those, like, I've never been an evangelist. Like, I, I just it's just not me to go out and win souls for the Lord. Like, I just, that's that's not me. So it never really has been something I've pondered on heavily. Um, but then when he kind of brought it up and I really kind of actually started thinking about it a little bit, I was like, you know what, there's actually a lot of freedom in this because now I get to live my life just knowing the Lord and let that spill out into my every day. Like, so I don't have to worry about what am I doing when Jesus comes back? I just, I get to focus on the here and now and I get to focus on knowing him better, knowing who I am understanding what I'm doing here for this portion of time and how that touches it, the people that are in my world and that I'm around. Yeah. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Like, I remember that, that feeling too, like all of a sudden I was like, Oh, I don't have to wait for the earth to explode. Right. Or I don't have to look around and see people like their clothes laying on the ground and I missed it. Yep. Um, I had so many different 
things that I'd been taught that were wrong. And then when I saw that, I think the thing that made the, that really touched me the most was that I didn't have to make excuses for Jesus anymore. And that was something that used to bother me. I was a huge C.S. Lewis fan, mm. huge. That and quote. when he, that one mm. quote, it bothers me so much when he says it. Um, and, you know, that it was that Jesus just didn't know. And I thought, isn't that odd how we could entrust my, inter- my eternal life with the one that just didn't know? Mm-hmm. And then when I started seeing all those things come together and I was like, Jesus was so radical. <laughs> he was so radical. And, but he was just, he was radical in a loving way, but he was also so fierce about God. He was so zealous. And then for him to tell his disciples, this is what's going to happen. And, t- and then it did. Mm-hmm that meant everything to me. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the beauty of the kingdom and what he was bringing and oh, it just changed my life. It changed my life. Like you said, and it's like, yeah. I don't have to worry about what I'm doing. I, re- I remember Billy Kinsey used to say that. Like, I was always afraid, like I might get caught smoking and then Jesus would come. Yeah. Right. No, exactly. I mean, yeah. even small things like that, that that's really what you fear, you know, like, you know, I just said the word hell and I'm like, Oh crap. Yeah. What if he comes back right after yeah. I said that? Mm-hmm. It's very, very legalistic, but, I think for us in the last year, really, I mean, Leah's finally, we talk about it now more. Because at first she was kind of like, well, what does it really matter? Does eschatology really matter? I mean, you know, because you're kind of like, you don't know yet. And then once you understand it matters more than you can imagine, um, you can't read the New Testament without, I mean, it's everywhere. Eschatology is, permeates it. The whole point was was about that. I mean, yes, the gospel, but it's part of all that story. Like, you have to understand that, I think, to fully appreciate the kingdom. doesn't mean you can't be a Christian without understanding it, but now we're like, okay, this is awesome, so now what? You know, now, and it wasn't the, it's not the fear of when I first became a predator, it's like, oh, crap, now what? It's not that. It's like, now what? Like, where are we going? You know, what's what's kingdom life look like? You know, and it's going to be different for every Christian, I think, because it's just about like like they were talking about, like getting out there and and going into the world, and that's going to look different for everybody depending on what sphere you're in. And so that's what's so exciting right now with kind of what we've done recently and not knowing where we're going. Yeah, that's you know? what I want to know next. <laughs> so I want to take us on that journey. So you guys mm-hmm. were both two practicing neurologists mm-hmm. somewhere in Texas, and then all of a sudden I'm watching on Facebook like, Hey, they're on the road going places. <laughs> yeah. Let's hear that. So, yeah, we've been out of residency for seven years. Um, eight for her, but she did a fellowship. And so officially seven years. And we, you know, I don't know that we ever both, it wasn't that we didn't have a passion for urology, but it just was never like top of our list. I mean, there was always felt like there was just something more that we were supposed to be doing. But we're like, well, we went through all this training and had all this debt. And so we're going to just do it. And then, we did two years in Shreveport, Louisiana, and we got out because it was a terrible situation. And so we thought, okay, we're going to go to Paris, Texas. We're going to be employed. It's going to be great. And um, it wasn't that it was a bad scenario at all. It was more just our lives became less and less fulfilled. We became angry every day um, at the system, really. I mean, for me, you know, the 2020 and beyond opened my eyes to a lot of bigger truths about these uh, secular systems and how they operate and the worldviews behind those. And that kind of was already then like, okay, we got to do something about this. But I had already wanted to 
get out for a while. I mean, we literally, when we moved to Paris, all I could think about was how much money do we need to save every year so I can retire in 10 years? Because I hated it, really. And But I was like, that's not a way to live. And so I'm so thankful for 2020 and beyond because it, it opened our eyes to we've, we've got to get out and do something more meaningful with our lives. And there's a million reasons that all culminated for what we finally did. But basically, um, yeah, we gave our, our 90-day notice on August 1st to our employer that we would be um, leaving and, and we knew we weren't going to do urology anymore. Um, I've got a pretty big uh, hormone practice that was inside of urology. Like, God, it's just my passion, always has been. And um, so we decided to just do that, open up our own private kind of small niche clinic so that we'll have time to actually – maybe actually tra not travel for fun necessarily, but like I told Leah, like we can, we can do telemedicine and we can go start visiting you guys and we can go people that just, not necessarily just other preterists, but you know, it's really neat to finally get out and start meeting people face to face that people that want other people in their life that, and they're in little islands all over the country. Um, and I don't know if that's where we're headed or not. I mean, w our life has been, it has been a whirlwind the last two or three months of God just pushing us out, out of Paris, Texas. Like everything, it's, it's unbelievable how it all lined up. And so at this point, we're like, whatever's next, hit, let, bring it. Like, we don't know. We're not trying to plan it. Yeah. So do you like, do you like living like that? Because, <laughs> okay, so the listeners can't see your head. So Leah's a <laughs> nope. How about you? Like what? Yeah. Like, so where you don't really know where you're going. No, I like that part. I just don't like having a little bit of a routine, like a little bit we'll, of we'll normalcy. There. But well, that'll that'll come. This is I, I'm excited about. I'm I'm more excited about my life than I've ever been, um, because that's what I mean. I, I mean, literally, like every week, God did something else that was so fast. Like we didn't make any of this happen on our own. Like He literally has like opened all these doors, and, and we just the so. Yeah, so Pastor Curtis said, tell the story of when these doors open. He wants to know, or he wants us to know. Mm -hmm. So tell us what happened. Okay, so here it is. Um, so I guess, well, we kind of, we were both getting fed up. He was more fed up than I was. I think he was just waiting on me to reach that point. Um, and I finally did. And for some reason, we were like, well, let's just look at our contract, and let's just see if we can get out of it. So technically, our contract was supposed to be up September of 24. So we looked at the contract. There's no penalty. There's no fees to have to pay to get out of it. So we're like, okay, let's get out of this. So we go, we were going to have a meeting with our CEO on August the 1st. The secretary texts me on, on July 31st, and she says, um, he wants to know what y'all want to meet about. I said, well, can you just meet today? She said, no, he's in meetings. Can you just tell me what it's about? I said, it's kind of personal. So she's, I guess, talked to him, and then she said, he'll meet, to, meet you today at 4.30. So we were planning on giving our notice on 8.1. So we go in there on 7.31 and give our notice. He is very generous. Um, he's very gracious. He's a, he's a Christian guy and, and understood where we were coming from and wanting to quit and move our life a different direction. So we do that. Literally that same week, oh, his, uh, his cousin, who does land development down around where Jordan is from, calls Jordan and said, hey, man, and he never, like, tries to push land on us at all, like, and he's such a, you know, very respectful in that aspect, but he reaches out to Jordan, he said, hey, man, I've got this piece of property I'm about to put on the market Monday, do you want to see it? <coughs> Jordan goes down there Thursday, sees it, comes back, and tells me, hey, I think you should go see it, so we go back down there Friday, see the land, and we were both like, 
yep, this is it. So we bought the piece of property, and it went nice and smooth. Then we're going to eat supper at a gynecologist's house, and we were driving past, and we see this RV for sale. We were like, hey, there's an RV, huh? You know? and, uh, just, just for the for the record, I've never heard that sentence. Uh-huh. We went to eat dinner at a gynecologist's house. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just stick around. I'll show you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> stick with her. Stick You'll hear lots of interesting phrases. Lots of stuff. Yeah. Um, so we go eat dinner at their house, at the gynecologist's house. And then, uh, so they said, well, hey, that's our neighbor. So we jump on the four-wheelers and go right around. So I'm getting, we're even deeper in the country here. And so we're riding oh, yeah. four-wheelers around to go. You know one that reminds me of the uh, Robin Williams movie? Which one? Not the, not the RV one, where he was a doctor. Oh, Patch Adams. Yes, Patch Adams. And they did the open, the welcoming for the gynecologist. <laughs> <laughs> at at their house and they had the big outside demonstration for them that's funny and so we ride the four-wheelers over there go look at the rv and if it's in good condition it's used we're like it's been used like six times yeah so we buy the rv and we're like well i guess we'll put that on the piece of property we just bought and so we did that then we put our house on the market it literally sells in cash offer in two days never had a sign in front i mean it was just like okay we're doing this yeah. like this is happening you know and i don't remember what else but I mean, I every single it. thing it just falling into place and then with the new clinic like i was like okay is, we can't solicit our own patients to come with us right it's not legal which is insane and so i was like we're gonna start this clinic but are my are my guys gonna come or not and i think in the last i mean we're up to about we're both about probably 350 signed up so far and i was gonna cap it at like 500 so i was like okay this is i think this may work you know so but it's really that's just a means to live so that we can do whatever we're supposed to be doing, which we're still trying to figure out. I mean, something that um, Eric and Karen said earlier about God just blending their lives together now, like that really resonated because that's how I feel like it's been for us over the last year. Um, we talk about this all the time about two becoming one and how it's finally starting to make sense, you know, like just now. And we've had a good marriage our whole, I mean, we've been married seven and a half years, but it's been good. I mean, I've been married to my best friend for that long, but the last year has been a different level of connection and, and intimacy. And and it's kind of just transposed also into understanding how I know him better is like, okay, well, we're the bride of Christ. Like, I, I get to, I mean, that's the same kind of relationship, you know, and, and knowing him. And how do I know him? Well, I know because I'm, I spend time with him and you understand, start understanding his character and then that helps you live your life and that's that's how we become more like him and it's just kind of crazy yeah and and like like they were talking about um they're both coming into these aha moments at the same time and then they'll st- we, we talk about it and i'm like how are you also going through that right now that i'm we're having both these epiphanies or whatever you want to call them without really talking about it until we talk about it and I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah i've been thinking the same thing it's it's, it's been, been wild. crazy now even though you like like you said you've been married this whole time but whenever you were both practicing then I guess that became like, that's what you thought about a lot, right? That oh, like yeah. you were always having to think about what you were doing and when you were, so now you're away from that and you can actually focus on one another, which I think is awesome. And I had a similar situation with my wife the other night, you know, for both of us, I started first, you know, kind of like with you, I started first uh, with preterism, you know, and it, mm-hmm. it, it took me some time, like I said, about a month and then got <laughs> there. And then, um, you know, I, when you're a husband and you talk a lot like I do, I talk all the time, you know, hence I have a podcast. And so my my wife has to hear me rant at 4.30 in the morning, which is a horrible idea. Don't do it, guys. And then sometimes it's late at night. But 
she listens to me. She actually does. Um, she doesn't pretend to know every single thing that I that I know, but uh, it wasn't too long ago that her own parents asked her questions, and she, like, totally defended my side of the argument. Whether she believed it or not, she was – that meant more to me than anything, you know, as a husband. I started seeing, like, the intimacy that we have. Mm-hmm. We're just it, – it's growing. And I love that, you know? And I, I have such a – I see a bright future. And so when I see things on the news about the things that are going on around the world and everything, I'm like, it's yeah. okay, guys. It yeah. really is okay. Whereas before, I'd have been like, I got to f- – Yep. Guys, we got to get some barley. We got to get yep. some water. <laughs> like we got to, you know what I mean? I agree. Yeah, we've we we may have gone to the extreme on that side because we don't watch TV or anything like that and follow the news. And I just I'm um I'm pretty rabid um, anti-statist, so I'm pretty passionate about that stuff. So I don't care about what the theater is doing. Honestly, mm-hmm. I'd rather just go. What what are we supposed to be doing right now? And how can we? influence things the right way without using the violence of the state to do it mm-hmm. i mean that's my big thing a big part of what you know so because too many christians i think are caught up in a little bit of that too mm-hmm. um and that's a whole nother topic for another day but sure. i'm pretty passionate about that one too <laughs> yeah absolutely does anybody else have any questions well i mean just living in an rv that close <laughs> has really got to do something yes yeah. we haven't lived there yet that's the thing we literally quit our jobs and we've been traveling for because I, I had to go to a summit last weekend in austin like we've spent four nights in the i mean there's stuff everywhere it's crazy right it's yeah but it's gonna be good <laughs> so come on up to virginia beach and hang out with us right, that's right. So, yeah that's so we're just avoiding that rv one more week <laughs> <laughs> just avo- yeah just the avoidance of it yeah so um I guess, I mean, honestly, we're going to be talking here in a little bit. I'm bringing it up in your testimony because it's, it's <laughs> a, it's a, we're going to be having a roundtable after this mm-hmm. about flat earth, mm-hmm. right? So I got to know something. Mm-hmm. You, you hold to the flat earth, correct? I hold to what I know. Okay. When did that start for you? Um, 2020. Yeah. I think. When I started looking deeper at a lot of uh, presuppositions that I held regarding mm-hmm. "quote unquote" science, mm-hmm. and that's that's the deeper issue. It's actually not the it's not the Earth's shape. That I don't care what the shape of the Earth is. I care about truth, and I care about how people you will use logical fallacies to support what they want to be true. And I'm not okay with that, especially when Christians do it. Mm-hmm. And, and they did the same thing with COVID. They did the same thing with cosmology. They do the same thing with almost every topic that we're thrown at. You know, it's thrown at us from mainly secular idiots. I mean, really, mm-hmm. it's it's horrible. And uh, that's my bigger thing is just learn how to think and talk about these things and use sound reasoning. If you know it, great. If you don't know it, just say we don't know and move on. But don't make up a story because that's what's gotten us into 2020 mm-hmm. is people making up stories and using fallacies. But, yes, I hold to... I don't know what we live on, but it's not what we're told mm-hmm. because that can be falsified easily with a couple of modus tollens arguments, which we can talk about later. Right, which we are <laughs> going to get to. But what I wanted to do, the reason why I wanted to say that now is because this episode is going to come out before that roundtable. Oh, gotcha. And what I really want people to understand is that they've never met you. Our audience right. doesn't meet you and I. Um, although I hold to the globe mm-hmm. that it's wrong for us to assume that people who are in the flat earth movement are not smart, are not caring, do oh. not. That's the opposite of what I've discovered. Um, people are mean as crap to each other. Like, I cannot stand it. That's one of the things I can't stand. Right. So I'm really looking forward to talking to you about it because I think that 
we love each other before and we're going to love each other after. Yeah. But if we can have a good conversation. Have an adult conversation. And I mean, it's the same thing I see with the anti-preterists. Mm-hmm. Most of the people I see on the, not all, but on the, on the heliocentric side, they don't even know that side. They mm-hmm. don't even know it. It's the same thing with like the anti-preterists. They don't know what we actually believe. They don't know what they, they believe. Mm-hmm. They just repeat what they've heard and they call you a name and they think they've, it's how, you know, they'll use these little fallacies and, you can't do that. Like, if we're going to just, it's fine to disagree, but let's do it based on actual real data, real arguments, like not just conjecture, not just fallacies. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I've, like I said, I, I don't, there are a lot of people in the quote unquote flat earth movement. So it's just like Christianity. You've got these sects and different beliefs and all kinds of people spewing a lot of insane stuff. And that it drives me nuts when I see people on the quote-unquote flatter side use the same horrible arguments that I see on the other side. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with preterism, right? I'll see preterists, and I'm, I'll, I'll be in these forums and go, these people are, what are they talking about? You know, like, it's not biblical. And so right. they go off the rails and, and all this stuff. And so it's, it's like that everywhere. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm very trepidatious when, you, when it comes to, like, social media and getting into conversations. Yeah. I try, I don't. Well, I'm glad I did because I met Rick Carter by doing it one time. <laughs> I, I came into a conversation saying, okay, I'm probably going to regret this. Right. And then he sent me a private message like, ha-ha, how fun was that, huh? You mm-hmm. know, cause, but um, because people are genuinely mean. Yes. But uh, I can tell you from the conference, whenever you spoke in regard to medicine and the way things are handled, that um, even on the globalist side, guys, we, we don't have a full trust of our government either. And we definitely don't think that they're telling us everything. Right. Um, so I really am looking forward to that conversation too. So on purpose, I took you guys away from, so you had talked about how you met and then you had said you saw her, but I, on purpose, I swayed us so that I, so that I could bring us back and, uh, find out actually how you guys got together. All right, because you saw her and she could care less. <laughs> she, I'm going to let Leah, I'm going to let Leah answer this because okay. her version, her stories are, it's a good story. Okay, let's hear it. So, so how did you guys actually yeah. come, together? come together? So I actually very much enjoy telling this story because I think it's fun. But, um, so get, let's get you a little closer a little to the closer. mic. Okay. Perfect. I really want to catch this. <laughs> so, um, he came to interview. So, I, yeah, that day that he saw me in the hallway, it, I was probably stressed out. I didn't pay attention. I remember him, that happening. I don't remember giving him the cold shoulder quite that much. But um, but he came to interview for residency, and we always went out to eat lunch with the, the interviewee. So it was November, and I sat beside him at that dinner, and I was like, boy, he's cute. I really hope he matches here. And uh, he was single at the time, and then uh, he ends up, matching in temple and moving there we go out to eat at a mexican restaurant because he was he's he likes to know things as you could tell you'll tell more with your next discussion with him that he like <laughs> he likes knowledge so he wanted to pick my brain about you know living in temple and all this kind of stuff and and so we go and eat eat lunch or something and um and then he had a girlfriend that kind of ended up coming back into his life he was single when we went out and ate and stuff and so i would and i just now told him this over the last couple of years like i would actually because our houses were in neighboring neighborhoods so when i would walk my dog i intentionally go kind of close to his house just to see (laughs) if her car was there there. and i'd always be bummed out and it's not that i even had a crush on him like i don't don't know what the attraction was but um, oh thanks (laughs) i don't either (laughs) Uh, you heard Uh, it here folks yeah Yeah, yeah. Yeah. horse's mouth yeah and so uh 
So then I did a away rotation in Houston for three months. And when I come back, I hear that he's no longer with this person. And um, I didn't even think anything of it. Like, it, you know, it's just kind of, okay, whatever. Um, but one Friday night, it was like 730 at night. And I was going to be frying some deer steak for myself. And so I was like, you know what? I don't really want to do this alone. I'm, I'm going to text Jordan and see if he wants to come over and eat some fried deer steak. I walked by my phone like three times and I was like, he, cause he's not a social person. So he always said no to anything residents would gather at. So I was like, he's not going to say yes. So but I was like, okay, fine. I'll just text him. If he says no, whatever. I text him and he pretty much immediately responds. Yes. <laughs> and so I had, already, I had already got a pizza in the oven and a beer open. Yeah. <laughs> so, and both went in the trash. That's right. there getting deer steak. That's, that's right. right. So he, that's right. So he came over, we ate deer steak. We literally stayed up to like three or four in the morning talking about, these things uh, stuff that we hadn't talked about with other people for a long time. for a long time and that's that's who i was looking for my whole life i was i've been looking for that in a mate of somebody i could talk on the deeper level of what matters in life and that's the, your spirit your your spiritual life but that's ultimately what everything boils down to mm -hmm. so i pretty much knew that night that, that it was done and um <laughs> But it was like April, and I remember kind of giving him the googly eyes and telling him, I was like, I like you. And <laughs> I couldn't say Actually, I love he you. he was looking at me in the, in the doorway, and she's like, I like a you. <laughs> I said, I like a you, too. <laughs> I'm not a very smart yeah, man, yeah, yeah. It, but it, I know it, a little bit. It felt like that. Yeah, it That's felt like Oh, that. yeah. <laughs> Forrest yeah. Gump. Yeah. And so but we were inseparable ever since then, honestly. So we spent pretty much every day together. I, I did a fellowship, and, you know, so we were away from each other for a year, but, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. We video called every night. I mean, it was just, yeah, it's been great, and we've had ups and downs. And, like I said, the last year has really been just the best blessing. I mean, just a whole nother level. So, yeah. 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 I think it's phenomenal because – you guys sort of like bounced around each other. You picked the same career. You bounced around each other. It's kind of ups and downs. And you looked at her and was thinking things, and then it it wasn't there. And then you looked towards him, and it wasn't there. And then all of a sudden, it just a deer had to die. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yep. It um, <laughs> I mean, didn't get put in a frying pan. It's always over animal flesh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, a deer had to die, and then it brought you together. Yeah. So well, I mean, Adam and Eve. You yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I um. But I told Leah, you know, I've told her this recently, um, there was just always something different about Leah. Like, even before I knew her, there was something I wanted to know about her. There was something on a deeper level there. And, yeah, it's been great. Like, it's finally come out. And because I knew she had all this, this spiritual side that she, it just, I feel like she gets, she's very serious when she gets to work. So she, we get both sucked into that, into the doctor world. And it just, it almost your soul, you feel like pieces of it are just being sucked away slowly because the system, that's just how it is. And, and we both realize, like, we're, we're not going to be, we can't do this. It's not sustainable to both be doing it at least. You know, you might could do one person and somebody else do something different. But to both be in the same specialty, in the same practice, taking 20 days of call a month, can't do anything. And we couldn't have a, go to a Bible study if we wanted to because you always got to leave, you know. Um, so it's just been I think I'm, yeah, I'm excited about what's in store. Yeah, I know. I mean, so Cherry is one of my longtime friends, and she works in a gastroenterology oh. clinic. And so having great friends, you can only imagine some of the conversations that oh, yeah. she oh, and yeah. I have. Oh, yeah. Like, Cherry, there's something happening. Can I ask? <laughs> None of, nobody here nope. wants to know what I've asked. <laughs> but she has no problem with it, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so 
but I it, having two doctors, I can only imagine. Oh, it's, we've had we don't get bothered by. <laughs> it's amazing, but the stuff people will share with you, and you don't even know them. So, it's oh. crazy. Yeah, it is well, unbelievable. Give me people, an example. People, Just give me one example. No, no. I mean, <laughs> it's, I mean, most of it. I mean, knowing we're urologists, you, <laughs> right? Yeah, they, that's where they I was will, yeah. They will share things they would not share with other people. But, Doc, is it supposed to be brown? Exactly. Yeah. But, but I will say this: it's been a blessing because people will share things with you, with mm-hmm. us. That they also wouldn't share that's meaningful like and now with our new practice even though we've just been doing it a few weeks our intake form alone is pretty good mm-hmm. and the stuff the first guy i saw on his intake form he starts revealing how he's been dealing with the year he went into alcoholism because his daughter was involved in a sexual abuse at a preschool mm. i mean it's just open book and you're like this is what it's about because now we can I can talk to these people on a deeper level. I can spend as much time as needed. And it's, I see it more as a ministry to build bonds with these people instead of just get in and out of the office as quickly Whereas as before, possible. I guess there were probably been other protocols that somebody else would have said that you can't do specific things, right? You probably wouldn't be able to get as personal. No, people get personal. People, people get very personal when they come to – I don't know if it's all urologists, if it's because it's that personal of a, of a space, or if they do this with all physicians. I don't know, but people open up to both of us as urologists. I mean, struggles in their life. They got, they're taking care of sick, you know – kids none of their kids are d- turning out like they want like it, it, they people will just but i think we're also approachable like we would i'd sit on the counter and swing my legs back and forth and just talk to people i'm not sitting there staring i didn't take you know like i think they understood we were human beings and i always try to tell people like i'm you i'm one of you you know like because yeah. all my guys on the on the hormone stuff they're like man you're like a real person i'm like well thanks <laughs> i mean but i am i'm like well i'm you like i'm on the same journey you are we're in this together it's not i'm not up here looking down you know right. so many people think their doctors are so yeah funny side note i uh, one time when i was at a urologist i had a nurse that walked in and she was all blushed you know like like red face flushed and i was like what what's the matter and she said well i just put a catheter in and this 80 year old man touched my hand and asked me if i was seeing anybody (laughs) (laughs) i was like i imagine that's a weird day she's like it's just par for the course that's right right. (laughs) it is a lot of that yeah Yeah. so fun field i can see d nice in the background she's being a nurse so she's like shaking her head yes yeah i love it i'm sure cherry's seen some seen and heard something (laughs) anyway guys it means a lot to me that you guys are willing to sit down and tell us your story Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. a lot that you asked us. It's so awesome. And what is? Uh, how many dogs do you have? Just one. And what is the dog's name? Her name is Maggie. Her name is Maggie, and she is here. Mm-hmm. She has traveled. She travels with you everywhere you go. Doesn't Pretty she? much. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She's a high anxiety um, Velcro dog. Basically, yeah. <laughs> Velcro. Yeah. Yeah. So she's protested a little this week. We brought the car instead of the truck, and when she's in the truck, she can jump back and forth. You know, she's free to bark at the cows. We put her in a little crate on this trip, and she's um, she's done well in the car, but in the hotel room, she has protested now. Uh, and if we she's leave, never been that she's way. never done it. I mean, torn into food, peed on the bed. Like, oh, wow. She's showing, like, hey, uh-uh, this yeah. is not going to happen. This is so how it works. we got to be more careful with how we travel down the road. So. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> well, something that we forgot to do in the OJs, which is the final question that we always ask, right? What? You want to hit that cherry? So when you die, where do you believe you go? When you die. What happens? The way Billy would say it is when you take your last breath, what happens? Mm. That's something I've been asking for about the last six months that's been bothering me that the Bible's fairly silent on. Um, And I think part of me has finally come to the realization that I've speculate on it more than I should and build it up in my head to what I want it to be. And when the Bible doesn't talk about it, I need to probably 
not think about it. So all I know is it's going to be better than I could probably imagine. Mm. Um, I don't think it's what we and well, I don't think it's anything what we think it should be. That's mm. sh- I'll just put it that way. I don't think that I think you know, I showed Lee the other day, you know, and it was reading in the Deuteronomy, so it's kind of out of context, but just saying that secret things belong to the Lord. Mm. And it hit me hard when I read that because I'm one of these people that want to know everything. And and I'm sitting there going, why am I anxious about something that's not revealed in Scripture? If it's not revealed, then it's just me making up a story, and that's not good. So all I know is I believe I'm with the Lord wherever that is, whatever that looks like, mm-hmm. and that it'll be great. It has to be. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, we talk about that a lot, that if, and I, and I get it, I mean, unbelievers, you know, but if somebody asked Gordon Clark one time, sir, if, if you knew God didn't exist, what would you do? He said, I, I would kill myself. Oh, and, wow. And I told Leah that one night, as we were talking about, I said, I why would I? Well, what purpose what, what would I have at all? For? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you believe the the story you're given, of of this just random, nothing meaning, there's no meaning, there's no logic, there's no love, there's no right and wrong. You can you can claim right and wrong, but you, there is none. Right. And so, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it's more of a pragmatic way to look at it, but I just have to believe that. I mean, you just feel it. It's just something you know. You know, it's hard to describe to other people that aren't believers, but. As far as what happens the minute I take my final breath here, I don't know. I mm-hmm. just think it'll be great. I'm going to kind of give you a long answer, too. So right. um, <clears throat> this all kind of, like, my eyes, like I said, just kind of opened this year. But I was in the room with a patient January 9th, and I looked at this girl, and there was an emptiness of her soul. Like, there was there was a vacancy. And I said, oh, crap. We are spiritual beings, and we are living for eternity. And so I was like, this is the kingdom life now. Like this, this is part of eternity. So, I think making connections with people. I think our, I think that our souls will recognize each other in the next heaven. I don't. I don't know what that means. I, I and I don't really speculate on it either because I don't necessarily think it's going to be streets of gold. I don't. I well, we talked about the other night. We're like, it could just as easily be like this. It's just, it's not this physical, but it's another kind. I don't know. It could be anything, but it's just it's going to be probably like this is probably just like the types and shadows in Scripture, right? It's kind of how I see it. There's the type and shadow. This is probably a shadow, just like we're, we're sort of a, in the image of God. It's a, it's a, it's a shadow or a, or a marred reflection of something greater. And so I feel like there's probably that just amplified. And I do think we'll know each. I think, I think we are who we are. Because this is kingdom life now, right? And so it's just a continuation of I think we'll this. have our memories. I think everything we do here will matters and will continue on as far as our thoughts and what we know and what we don't know i mean otherwise again what would be the point and i do think that's why it comes because you start well so as a you know christian that was saved for salvation's sake for a long period of time you just think what i do here is not really going to matter because once i get you know go to heaven i just start over Mm -hmm. no i don't think that's the case i think that's why it's actually very important that we tune in to what he has called us to live out now because i think it will transfer over Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I, don't, I got no Bible verses to quote you to back that up, but that's just my my thought process at the moment. This is all kind of fresh. We have enough Bible believers in this. What is that verse where it says that he that God does exceedingly abundantly above what we can imagine, yep. think, yep. or imagine? Yep. And I, I mean, you guys, I mean, people made Star Wars. They they imagined a lot of things, right? Um, we've seen some pretty amazing things that humans mm-hmm. can do. I can only imagine that song. That, think about that yeah. song. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. But I, the Mercy Me song from like 20 yeah, years ago. Yeah, that Mercy Me song yeah. where yeah. he says that. I mean, yeah. 
but, but I, I, I'm with I you get on that. stuck in that, like in my head, and I feel like it's almost like not idolatry, but it's I don't want to go there too much because then I'm 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 basing on what I want it to be yeah. instead of just going, hey, whatever it is, it's going to be great. Like that. Like, Do you think that heaven will be a globe? <laughs> Dude, I'm just messing. Oh no, that was aimed oh, towards no. that was aimed towards Hot Pastor shot. Curtis because oh, gotcha. he called us a bunch of globe heads last globe Sunday. Head. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, sorry so, we gave you long answers on. Yeah. No, 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 that's great. I mean, some people we we've we've heard a lot of different answers. I think that's the beauty of the testimony is yeah. that you have you find out that all of us have a very similar beginning, even if you're born in a Christian home or you're not. Yeah. You know, you eventually, there is that moment whenever you are, you meet Christ for the first time and then you, you know, you make that move and that move, you don't realize how it was directed by God himself. You just don't, you mm -hmm. don't understand it, but we all kind of grow that way. Yes. But then when you, you find out, you say, okay, well, what happens when we die? Some people say, I go to heaven. And some people say, I think I'm in the ground for a while. And then some people say, I explode into the sky. Like there's, everybody's wow. had a different answer. Yeah. I mean, Gary Damar made that answered that one question and then it, it was like crazy for three months wasn't it just by answering that one question it went bananas really just because of his answer so everybody's had a different answer but i it's it's been pretty neat it's been pretty fun to watch yeah. but anyway so dr jordan and leah grant thank you so much for being on the program yep. and cherry and rick thanks for uh i'm sorry we're only down to one mic that's why it's been making all these noises thank you <laughs> bye <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Thank y'all. I told you that he was a smart dude. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like that, Sarita? So good. She, like, it's so funny to hear. And she has this awesome, like, southern drawl. Like, I love her yes. accent. It's so thick. And, yes. And, um... But when I asked Jordan, I was like, what did you think that she was going to do? Like, all of a sudden, just, like, whisk her hair back. And like, oh, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, anyway. Not today. <laughs> no. But um, <laughs> those two, like, if you look at their posts on Facebook, it's always just so genuine. And um, cool people. Yeah, I really, I love them very much. And I'm, and I'm thankful I got to meet them. And I'm glad that they came on the podcast. So, anyway, uh, Rick Carter. Sarita. Yeah. Andy. Yep. Ralph. And Cherry, thanks, you guys, for being here. And uh, we hope that you enjoyed this testimony series at Berean. And no positive statement from here on out. <laughs> you don't make a positive Again, claim. You will find <laughs> no out that in next week's episode when we finally release our Flat Earth versus oh, the Globe. Gosh. Buckle up, you Globe Tards. <laughs> globe Tards. Anyway, we will talk to you guys. Again, next time on the Burroughs of Berea. Peace out. See ya. Later. Bye, y'all. Hey, guys, this is Rick from the Burroughs of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burroughs of Berea. You'll get extra notes extra episodes and it's pretty much free a dollar gets you a lot thanks guys <laughs>